Welcome to Podcasts of Ravnica. I'm Greg Tito, host of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. You know, fans are excited for the first major product combining the lore of Magic the Gathering's Plane of Ravnica with D&D mechanics for fantasy role-playing in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. To celebrate the launch of Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, we asked the D20 Dames podcast to recruit new members of the D&D and Magic Live Play community to create 10 one-shot stories, each focusing on a different guild in the sprawling city of Ravnica. Hopefully by listening to these episodes, you get introduced to the possibilities of storytelling in Ravnica and maybe find one or two new podcasts to follow. To find out more about these groups and Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, available in game stores now and everywhere, November 20th, head to dnd.wizards.com slash ggtr or check out our live video programming on twitch.tv slash dnd. Enjoy listening to this episode of Podcast of Ravnica, brought to you by the RPG Academy, focusing on the Orzhov Syndicate. Mm, yes. Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and tonight I will be your host as well as your dungeon master for this extra special field trip into the land of Ravnica. Ravnica is the newest setting for Dungeons and Dragons from Wizards of the Coast, and it's a port over from Wizards of the Coast's other big property, which of course is Magic the Gathering. Uh, Ravnica has been a setting for magic cards for a very long time, and now that flavor has been brought into a guidebook. It's called the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. There are 10 guilds that vie for power in Ravnica, and these guilds bring about a lot of the conflict that you probably would explore when playing in the setting. Uh, Ravnica or Ravnica itself is a basically one city. It's a city that spans the known world. And akin to a more contemporary city that we would think of, it has running water, indoor plumbing, sewers, skyscrapers. Uh, it makes it makes it feel like a little bit more metropolitan than what I personally think of when I'm thinking of like a village or city in D&D, which is, you know, pseudo-European medieval times. Uh, this is a little bit more um, advanced than that, at least in some ways. So millennia ago, the 10 guilds were at war, and it was a war that threatened to wipe out everything. And there was a compromise made, what was known as called the Guild Pack. And this was essentially a magical spell that made it impossible for the guilds to continue warring openly with each other. Some time ago, the Guild Pack was broken, and the guilds once again began fighting one another. And as a way to sort of stop that as best they could, and in ways that I don't fully understand from reading the book, and I don't think is fully explored yet, maybe maybe if you follow Magic the Gathering you would know better, but the guild pack basically was personified as the person Jace Berlin. Jace Berlin is a planeswalker from Magic the Gathering, which means he moves through the multiverse. When Jace is on Ravnica, 
his word is literal law. Whatever he says is. If he says you cannot say the word Tuesday, then it is magically impossible for anyone to say the word Tuesday. But Jace is a bit of a flaky individual and he likes to travel the worlds. And often he's not on Ravenica. And when he's not there, the guild pact isn't actually enforced. And when that happens, the guilds once again rise to conflict, if not open war, that is when they are going to try to assume more power and attack their rivals. And the adventure that we're going to play tonight takes place during one of those moments where Jace has been gone for a little while, the guilds have realized it, and they're each trying to enhance their own standing on the world while at the same time rising above their rivals. Specifically, we are going to be playing as part of the Orzov Syndicate. It is defined, or it kind of looked at as it's a sinister combination of church, bank, and organized crime. The Orzov Syndicate is controlled by the Obzadat, which is a cabal of ancient spirits, often known as the Ghost Council. So with all of that out of the way, let's meet our players and their characters. So I will start to my virtual left with Caleb. Caleb, say hello to everyone. Hey, everybody. And what is the character that you're playing tonight? Or who, I should say. So tonight I am playing Fallen. He is a Loxodon. And what is a Loxodon? Because that's one of the new playable species races in uh, Guildmaster's Guide. A Loxodon is a big giant elephant dude. So what was it about the Loxodon that was interesting to you that you thought, hey, I want to I want to play that tonight? Honest answer, it was between this and a Minotaur and I flipped a coin. Oh, all right. All right. So then what was it about the Minotaur that, it, that attracted you? Because I like big monster things. And you cannot lie. Same, bro. <laughs> Fair Same. enough. To my virtual caddy corner scott scott say hello to everyone howdy all you kids out there on radio land and scott who will you be playing this evening uh tonight i'm playing it's a it's a goblin <laughs> nice now these are not goblins as we may be familiar with them from settings like forgotten realms so how are ravenica or ravnica i don't know how they pronounce it uh goblins different than what we might be already familiar with uh, the only difference that i noticed was that they're i mean they're goblins they, they are integrated in society, but they are goblins. They're still uh, evil and thiefy and extremely aligned with the chaotic spectrum of the alignment field. So they're not different. They're just viewed differently. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not them who are different. It's the entire world that's far too orderly and uh, not nearly uh, ramshackly constructed enough. It's not you, it's me. Mm-hmm. It's a me. No, no, I'm sorry. It's a goblin. <laughs> Excellent. And then to my other caddy corner, if anyone might be listening to our show for the first time, you're probably not already familiar that we have a tenuous grasp at best with rules. Uh, so Matthew's not actually playing a character that's in the book. We kind of made our own here. So Matt, say hello to everyone and then tell them who you're playing. Hello, everyone. I am playing an Azamar Paladin called Protection. My character is based on the back of the book. If you look in the monster section, you will see a Death Pact Angel. So I've made a a death pact angel in training, basically. If you were to buy a Ravnica booster pack, my card would be in the middle, and it would be a one mana and two either white or black mana to summon. It would be a angel uh, knight creature with trample and smite. So that's protection. 
Okay. So with all of that out of the way, we're going to jump into the story and we're going to start with Fallen. So Caleb, we have a drone shot over the giant sprawling city that spans the world of Ravenica. And it's going to sort of fall in and zoom towards you. Where do we find you? What are you doing? So the camera zooms in and it finds a small shop. One business among an infinite number of businesses in this sprawling city. The one that we are looking at today is not quite open for business yet. It's still pretty early in the morning, and its proprietor is sitting outside. That's me. That's Fallen. So I am slightly scrawny for a Loxodon. Most of my other compatriots are a little bit beefier and mightier. I'm still close to seven feet tall. Very dark gray, almost black skin with very bright white tusks. But I'm on the skinnier, thinner side. And I'm sitting on a little bench outside my shop, and I'm working on some stone cutting. I have various little statues and carvings and etchings around the outside of my outside of my store, and I'm just kind of picking at them, cleaning them out. Uh, Stoneworking is something that my family has passed down for years and years. I wasn't super good at it, but it's still something that is just ingrained in my blood. So I'm working on it a little bit and I get up, I stretch, brush the stone dust off my fingers and walk into the shop, flip the little sign from open or wait, flip the little sign from closed to open and head back to the kitchen because I run a sandwich shop. Ooh. And what is the name of your sandwich shop? Sandwiches. Sandwich. Is, is it like a backward R or W no, or something? No, I'm, I was not super creative when I got the license for this. <laughs> I just said, I want to sell sandwiches. And the goblin was like, all right, it's a sandwich shop. And that's all it was. What What is your specialty, Adam? What, what brings people to your store over another store, perhaps? I have a house specialty that is a really good homemade peanut butter. Ah. And I put that on a variety of sandwiches. Do you make your own peanut butter in-house? Yeah. I just... I got these really big meaty hands and I just kind of stomp on peanuts all day. So the morning progresses as it has for years before and probably will for years after. Uh, You have your regulars that come in and order their regular sandwiches. There's the one difficult customer who always wants to make sure that like he, he orders his peanut butter without salt. So you have to make a fresh batch. Just because they, and then they're going to salt the peanut butter anyway. Oh yeah. Then he also asks for salt packets. Salt, salt packets, of course. So around midday, you look outside of your shop there, and you can see the street beyond. And there's something outside your window that catches your eye and lets you know that you need to do something. So what is it that you see? So what I see is a particular street urchin. There's of course street urchins all over this giant town. Uh, But this one particular street urchin sets up shop across the street from my little store. And this individual is an elf. Is actually pretty old, but still looks kind of like a young, sick kid. They're elves. They're elves. And uh, the street urchin's uh, kind of busking on on the street corner is that she is selling a certain type of flower. 
And she just brings these flowers in and sets up a little, hey, buy my flower for a copper kind of thing. And I know that this is a uh, a code, a sign that I need to head down to the home office, so to speak. So I close up shop. The lunch rush is over, luckily. So shoo out a couple regulars, wipe down the tables, and head off. So yeah, so this is a signal that someone in the syndicate needs you to come uh, to, to the Basilica where they have their shop. Now, there's 10 districts in Ravenica. That's not because there's 10 guilds. There's just 10 of each. doesn't really have a correlation to each other. And all the guilds are represented in every district, uh, some more than others. But uh, we are playing in was District 6. And within District 6, there are multiple precincts. And we are in precinct number 2. So the Basilica for the Orzhov Syndicate is the largest building in the entire precinct. It is massive. It's huge. Think of the the largest opulent bank that you've ever seen that has those, you know, huge marble pillars, the gold inlays, the tile floors that when you walk into the lobby, it just screams at you wealth and ex- excess and opulence. And then combine that with the largest Catholic church you've ever seen with stones, uh, archways and statuary and uh, stained stained colored glass and pretty much times that by 11. And that's what you see for the Basilica in Precinct 2 of District 6. And this is the biggest, largest building in this area, but is nowhere near as large as other buildings of the Orzhov Syndicate. But as you approach the outside, there are these just massive stone statues that are over 40 feet tall and it represents the ghost council. So there's just like a ring of these oligarchs that founded or were founding members of the syndicate. And in front of them, it almost looks like supplicants are kneeling in front of them, but they're not truly supplicants. They're just people that have come for them for money because there's the Orzov controls money through an idea of religion. So you can pay for, contrition but often you just get yourself more in debt because if you don't have the coin to pay what you borrow from the syndicate then they ask you to do them a favor and often the currency of favors is more valuable than the coin itself because they never know who they're going to need for what particular thing and in fact that's how you fallen got involved in the orzov syndicate you needed money to help open your shop but in the process of paying it back you did a few things for the syndicate you've been successful you're loyal you can be counted on you're somewhat calm so you're not likely to cause things to escalate which the syndicate does not like so they have off and on used you for particular jobs in the past and that's what you're probably being summoned for today Uh, so when you pass this circle of oligarch statues of the ghost council and you enter into the building proper there are literal spirits of former members that are just floating around greeting uh, people who've come to seek either religious guidance or a bank loan, or in a lot of cases, at this, both at the same time. And there's also what they call knights. So K-N-I-G-H-T. Uh, the knights of the syndicate are these somewhat, they're not faceless, but they wear masks that make them look faceless. And on the visors, all you see is the black sunburst, the symbol of the syndicate. And they are standing at rows from most of the doors so that people don't go into areas they're not, they're not supposed to. Now, you need to go into one of the back rooms. So where do you go in the building to get, quote unquote, off stage? 
So what I do is I head over to one of the, if this was a church, you'd consider it a private prayer room or meditation chamber. Uh, It also kind of has that air of the private manager's office in a bank. And since the syndicate does both, that's what these little rooms are for. They are private supplication and consultation chambers. And in one of these specific chambers, I go in and I insert my guild medallion into a little slot in the wall. It's kind of hidden. And I twist it and a small door opens that I squeeze through and tromp down the stairs into the more behind-the-scenes guts of the building. So now that you're kind of in the inner workings of this large building, there's almost like a thoroughfare that exists between the different sections of the building because this is one of the places where we mint our own coins because the Orzov is not the only mint in Ravenica, but they are one of, and they are one of the largest. So this is basically where they print new money. New coins are made here. They also have the true religious side, and then they have the true banking side, and then the sort of the combination of all three. So as you're walking through this thoroughfare, you see centaurs and minotaurs pushing large carts that are just with freshly minted coin. There are brand new supplicants that have come in that are down on their luck, but they're being ushered to one stage or to the other so they can be processed uh, and they can evaluate what exactly they need and what they can offer. Uh, But you find your way through it fairly quickly and to a door that you've visited many times before. It's it's your particular handler, or as they call them here, council person. So council man, council woman, and her name is Zija. And she's an ancient woman. Like you expect every time you see her that she's, she's died. And she's probably a ghost and she's still hanging around. But then she surprises you because she's actually breathing. And as you knock upon her door, her high, squeaky, pitched voice ushers you in. So I'll walk into the room. Uh, hey, Zija, uh, got, the, got the message. So uh, so I'm here. What's going on? Uh, so when you enter, uh, you've been in her office before. And it's it's pretty large. Like, it's just kind of common that for the syndicate that, the you know, everything is to excess. And there are these racks and racks of different items that are on the walls. And these are new. You haven't seen them before. And even as large as this room is, it seems to be sort of packed with items. And there's just seemingly random stuff. But there's like a chest that has, you know, it's latched, but it looks like it probably is like a treasure chest. There are books, um, rods, weapons, scrolls, wands, swords, armor, things that have no discernible function to them that you would recognize as probably some sort of ritual item or magical item. Now there's one of these items that catches your eye in particular. There's just something about it that draws your eye. What is it? It is a particular scroll kind of at the bottom of the pile of the other scrolls. Uh, It looks like the, the rod that goes through the center of the scroll is a little bit more ornate and it just catches my eye. And as I sit down, talking to Zija, I keep glancing over at it, just studying it. Something is just very appealing to me. So there's just a massive pile of books and scrolls on Zija's desk, and she moves one off to the side so that she can then see you as you sit directly across from her. She looks up, and even though she just ushered you in, there's a moment of like, oh wait, you're here. Uh, She smiles. Uh, It is 
again, I said she has a really high-pitched voice. I won't do that because I can't. Uh, but just imagine that she's speaking in like a high, squeaky voice. Uh, it is great to see you again. How have you been? Oh, I've been quite well. Family's good. Business is going well. Uh, yeah, it's been picking up a little bit. So uh, I think the gods are smiling on me for fortune this month. As so smiles on the syndicate, when your business does well, our business does well. And she sort of says that almost anticipatingly. There's a slightly longer than should be there pause. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I pat my robes. Yep. And I pull out a worn leather satchel that is quite full with coin and plop it in the little inbox on her desk. She reaches across and grabs it and she just sort of holds it in her hand and uses her fingers to kind of shuffle the bottom of the bag. and. Within seconds, she knows exactly how much money is in there. Different coin denominations, different weights. Precise. And she smiles and says, yes, business has been good. She'll uh, kind of dump the coins into a little container next to her, and then she'll actually hand you the bag back. I have an opportunity for you to lessen your debt even more if you're interested. I perk up. Yeah, absolutely. So she sort of gestures around to all the items that are currently in her office. And, you know, she's probably noted that you've paid attention to one more than the others. What I'm about to tell you must remain to the utmost of confidence. You will be one of only a handful of people that have ever been told this. And if it were word to, word to get out, uh, we certainly would know that it was probably you that let it slip and you would be dealt with accordingly. She sort of pinches her face. She, she shuffles through her books and she pulls one out and puts it in front of her. One of our vaults has been compromised. And you know, again, one of the things that allows Orzov to be as prosperous as it is, is they have a reputation that whatever you secure in an Orzov vault is secure forever. They do not ever lose control of anything that they have ever taken into a vault. So the fact that she just told you that one of the vaults was compromised is huge. I react to this, but in a... I react to this, but in as calm and collected a way as possible. So my eyes get big and I sit back in my chair a little bit, but I, I don't say anything. I've worked with Zija for a long time now. I know that she has these kind of dramatic pauses, but she doesn't want to be interrupted. So after a moment when she realizes that you're not going to uh, go further, she sort of waves a little bit. It was a minor one, of course. I mean, she leans down to her fingers, scroll down a list. He goes, uh, it was vault A24 of District 6, Precinct 2. Wasn't that large, but it had some items of, you know, extreme value to certain people. So we're in the process of bringing those items here. And again, she gestures to all the new stuff that's in the room where it will be housed until we can find a new location for it. Uh, we have members of the syndicate already looking to see how the vault was compromised but more importantly we want to know by whom so some of these items were located in one of the gray markets in uh precinct three and um she points over and there's like a wooden crate that has been stood up so it's vertical and the door's off and inside you can see what appears to be a goblin statue that's gorm uh, gorm had been found to have some of our items in his possession we sent some knights to go ask some questions, and we found Gorm in that condition. And you look over and you see Gorm has been petrified into stone. Uh, 
So we would like for you to look around the gray markets and see if you can find out maybe where Gorm had procured those items and trace it back to its source. Okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, is this something I need to do on my own or can I take some fellow guild members with me for support and protection? Yes, I, uh, I think we can secure some protection for you. And with that smash cut to a well-appointed shop of porcelain and other finery. This is in Precinct 7, still District 6. And the large minotaur that is working the counter behind the porcelain shop has two elves in front of her with crossbows out holding her up. Well, well, I, I, I don't think we need to have any of this roughness in my fine establishment. I just, uh, I just have all this fine porcelain. Uh, what, what can I do for you? Two beings coming up Listen, here. Listen, lady, we're not trying to sharpen your horns or anything. We just want some money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I just, I, I, did you not see the sign there? I have, I am protected by the Orsov Syndicate, and this will not stand. But those. Well, they're not here now, but we are. And if you don't talk, yeah. if you don't give us money soon, my friend here is going to shoot you in the face. Yeah. Well. I first, rude. Second of all, I might be able to find a couple coins that um, maybe would avoid a bolt to the face. Those two coins better find some friends uh -huh. and fast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ching, ching, ching. Actually, ching, ching. About that time, the door to the shop opens and there's an actual a bell over the, over the top. Ding, 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 rings. And just ever so slowly, the two elves turn. The Minotaur looks up and smiles. And what or who do we see? Uh, first, you would see clad in basically, think of coins if they were made into a chainmail, be decked on this very broad backed form. They have a helmet on that has the black starburst on it, but the, but the, crest is of a wing almost they have a shield that looks like a curled wing and in their hand is a sword that looks very reminiscent of a feather this establishment is under the protection of the Orzov syndicate I would do well to see you both leave before blood needs to be spilled so the Two elves look to one another. Uh, the one called Yeah Yeah, who only says Yeah, says Yeah. And then his friend, the dimwitted one, takes that to mean, oh no, it's on, and pulls up his crossbow and shoots at you. So we will go ahead and jump into initiative. Ding, ding, ding. And then I just impale them and say, Itza, grab the coins. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Am I in this scene? I, I thought I was uh, currently yeah, yeah, and murdering you. But you are yeah, yeah, but you were also Itza. <laughs> I thought I was currently the sassy Minotaur, too, but <laughs> things change, don't they, Scott? They do. Keep you on your toes. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was going to have Itza. Basically, no one's noticed you yet because they turned around and saw the protection. But, yep. yeah, you can bring yourself in um, on the initiative. 
Perfect. All right. So, all right. So my thugs go on eleven. What do you go on, Matt? Zero. Zero. Yes. Itza goes on twenty-one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Itza actually didn't hit the bell on the way in, <laughs> and he's been in there the whole time. So the camera pans down, um, far down, down this 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 uh, muscular, uh, coin bedecked, erudite body, uh, down kind of to the floor of the china shop, and then and then a little bit along the baseboards where there are a couple little muddy footprints and clearly a couple little missing vases that happen to be uh, sitting awkwardly in the pockets of one uh, crook nosed goblin, who uh, after having uh, you know removed. Vases definitely for safekeeping because violence could uh, easily endanger them. Uh, lines up a shot with a short bow and uh, let's fly at this this very hostile sounding yeah mouthed elf with uh, an arrow with deadly precision. Uh, having emerged from hiding, uh, I get a uh, that's twenty five to hit. Oh yeah. All right. That's uh, 18 points of damage, piercing with sneak attack against Yeah. So your bolt slams into Yeah Yeah. Yeah Yeah is wearing armor, so the bolt hits the armor, doesn't puncture through, but hits with enough force that Yeah Yeah takes like a couple staggering steps back right into a shelf of fine porcelain plates. And the, ow, ow, the ow. shelf starts to teeter, just rocking back and forth, and all the items on it start to rock back and forth as well. They haven't fallen yet, but they are gaining momentum, and the slightest other disturbance will send the entire shelf crashing to the floor. So Itza, uh, using the remaining movement and their cunning action, will uh, sort of uh, dash uh, pitter-patter little uh, goblin-y feet, uh, climb quickly up uh, one of the rafters, and then and then jump onto the rocking one and say, No, no, precious dishes, expensive dishes, need the dishes, all the dishes, and is kind of riding the rocking shelf, attempting to counter-sway it with the, uh, its tiny body. All right, so you can get on the shelf, no problem. I want you to, I want you to like, is it like an acrobatic thing where you like jump from one shelf to the other? Is it more athletics where you just sort of leap to the top? How do you get to the top? Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely using uh, lightness of foot, not uh, bruteness of strength. And so I would, I would consider that an acrobatic maneuver. Okay. So again, you don't have to roll for that, but I do want you to roll dexterity just to see if you're able to gain the momentum or make it worse. That is a natural one on the die. Okay. Plus seven is eight. <laughs> so <laughs> what do we see? I think uh, we see it's a uh, uh, managing to get on top of this, this uh, extremely valuable uh, pile of vases and uh, trying to counterbalance like, oh, no, expensive dishes, tiny things, precious things, shiny, shiny, no shiny. Oh, oh. And it's a uh, uh, overextends to grab one that was about to fall off. Which which then causes the weight of the entire shelf to fall forward toward uh, both elves and the patron. Excellent. Crashing down, I assume, in in a in a, in a pile of of uh, shattered vasery and also battered persons. You damn goblin! I don't ah. And these elves, I'm, 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 I'm help, paid I'm good money to the Ozov Syndicate for protection, and they have these gruel clansmen coming in here and it, taking it, my. It, it's a benefit. It's it, it's a free. It's 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 it, it's at no charge. I, I uh, there's no. 
Ah! It, it, it's a nice, it, it's a replace, it's a repair. And uh, there, there's kind of a flurry of, of activities. It's like, a, like a, 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 a small green hook-nosed goblin sort of burrows Scrooge McDuck-like through some of the, the debris and is, and is trying to like gracelessly mush things together into a pile. So when the, the shelf crashed against, I guess, like the countertop where the two elves were standing, the minotaur behind it, some of the porcelainware sort of almost got shot forward and skids across the desk and the minotaur sticks out her hands and she's like trying to catch this one and then catch that one. And then one's on top of the other. And it's a you know, classic scene where there's like four things stacked on one and five on the other. Oh, oh grandpa's favorite vase <laughs> with the vase on that. So the goblin who, who had said they were going to shoot looks at, yeah, yeah. And says, I think that was a bad idea. Yeah. And I'm leaving. Yeah. So is going to grab a different shelf of porcelain and just sort of turn it over to try to block the path as they run around protection. So just another entire shelf comes crashing down between protection and this elf. And then the elf is going to try to jump over to a different aisle and run to the door. Protection. What are you doing? Is that far outside of my range of, uh, of like, uh, you know, God, retaliation action? Like, we're talking, like, more than five feet away, or? Um, well, he's he's still in the shop, so you can certainly try to get it. But, but what the elf has managed to do is to put more shelves between you and him. So the, the shortest route between you and him would be a straight line between more shelves. Or you could try to just rush to the door, maybe cut them off. Um, or jump to the other side and then, like, do, like ranged attack to them as they're running towards the door. So you have options. What do you want to do? I, I'm actually going to try to block the door. I'm going to try to get to the door as I see at that as the only way to ingress and egress this establishment. Because why would you break a window or something or break China for, for no reason, you monsters? So um, protection runs to the door to try to block with shield and sword in hand. That's just going to happen. So you, you manage to get there. It's, you know, it's that classic scene where you're running up either aisle and the camera's just sort of moving back, back and, and forth. forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, between the two. And you converge at the same exact moment. And the the non-yeah-yeah elf grabs for the door and starts to pull it open. And what does protection do to wedge the door shut? How do you keep the door from opening? Protection takes their bronzed clad boot and just slams it down in front of the door and then puts the sword resting on his wrist. Clansman, I've asked you to leave, but you have caused issues here. We have to pay our debts. And then he'll raise up the sword and just take his hand off right at the wrist and just leave him screaming there and then have him make the decision whether he's going to walk out or if he's going to stay here and then his life is going to end. Okay. So we will jump ahead a few moments where that has happened. That elf has left, leaving a trail of blood. Yeah, yeah, is still trapped under the shelf. What's Itza doing uh, while this is going on? Oh, oh, free hand, free hand. Any rings? Oh, oh, fingers. Five, five fingers, thumb, four fingers, thumb. Oh, uh, oh, one ring, ring, ring. Oh, mm, a little stuck. Uh, mm, mm. Uh, just gotta, <laughs> and uh, through, through through some fangs teeth, there's there's the distinct sound of chewing and gnawing, and then eventually a spit sound, and oh oh shiny. I'd like to think that this is all happening while I'm shaking down the shopkeeper for the protection money. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're gonna do next. Is while Itza is 
chewing fingers to get to, you know, very valueless rings. Shiny! Protection is now approaching and speaking directly to the shopkeeper, who is still holding various pieces of porcelain. And, and almost like shock, just looking around. Because she's ran the shop for years. Never knocked anything over. And now within moments, like a third of her merchandise ruined. So protection is at the desk and they're looking at her. They remove their helmet and black hair falls down about their shoulders. Black eyes. <sighs> I'll be collecting for this cycle. They reach over and they just take the satchel that the Minotaur was going to give to the Gruul clansmen. And then Protection looks around and says, I hope this won't inhibit your collection for next cycle. That would be a shame if I had to come back and not receive my payment. Nice shop you got here. It'd be a shame something happened to it. Itza, our job is complete here. Oh, oh, but, but, uh, shelves so rickety. Uh, goblin fix. It's a fix. It's, it's a make stable shelves. Good, good money. Itza, we have a calling elsewhere. We move. Oh, oh you got a call? Oh, okay. Protection replaces their helmet. She's their bloody sword and puts the shield on their back. And leaves the store to the balancing minotaur. Uh, so right as you're exiting the shop and the door is closing, the last thing you hear is two armfuls of porcelain falling and mother fuck! And then just the door shuts and cuts off the last sound. We will jump ahead a few hours as Fallen, Protection, and Itza have been gathered together by the, their syndicate handlers. And Fallen is giving the two basically the parameters of what's going on. So you need to go to the gray markets in precinct two. And you would know gray markets, essentially they're, they're legal markets. People are there. The law knows that they're there, but if you ask the right questions, you can get to things that aren't supposed to be for sale there, but are, but are, and the goblin Gorm apparently had purchased some of these Orzov relics here in one of the stalls and when was went to be confronted for this, had been turned to stone. All right, gang. So we have to keep this very quiet, of course, but a specific vault was actually raided, and it looks like we need to head down to one of the local gray markets to get some information. So oh. do we have... Ah, hmm? oh, ah, I, it, it's... It's it's an owner gray market. It's it's a it's a uh, it's an owner gray market, but not as it's a. Uh, it's a runs around in their pack, and uh, when uh, the little goblin looks up again, you notice that that one of their uh, prominent front teeth is now bright gold and larger than it used to be. The the cap has clearly been recently placed. Uh, in in gray market, it's a known as gold tooth. Nose gold tooth. Oh, nose, nose, and uh, there's a little bit more rummaging, and now the nose, uh, kind of the, the existing break in, in Eats' nose looks much more pronounced. You heard like a crack sound, and, and <laughs> you, you think maybe it's, it's an old injury that never healed, it might be a little wiggly. Nose gold tooth, Eats' nose, nose gold tooth in Grey Market. 
Wonderful. Well, lead the way, friend, and we will get to the bottom of this. Oh, uh, but uh, coin, coin. Uh, it, it's a bad idea. Go gray market with no coin. Uh, do, do, we, we, you have coin? You, you give me coin? Chinese? More Chinese. Oh. Protection, protection. Uh, we, you, we, we get more coin? Uh, nose, nose gold tooth have reputation to maintain. Protection will lower, will squint their black eyes, and you'll notice their starburst tattoo on their forehead. And they'll look down at Itza. The job itself should be payment enough to the syndicate, but I understand certain things must be maintained. And they will pull out a satchel of coins and hand it. Ah, good, good. Hand it to the goblin. It's, it's it's kind of handed and as as it's handed a couple of goblin hands and almost like a like a goblin chest and a goblin foot come up to kind of wrap themselves around it like like a baby koala on a branch like ah yes good good that that'll be good uh, keep up appearances very important and uh, so then we get kind of a montage of traveling to the gray market where it's uh, or where um, nose gold tooth will kind of disappear from the group briefly and come back with like a much more extravagant hat with gold leaf thread and then and then vanish for another second and come back with like like clogs of some ornate wood that look acutely uncomfortable but also very expensive and then kind of vanish for a minute and then end up in a in a cummerbund clearly made for an elephantine person not a goblin but it's been wrapped around three times and by the time you get to the gray market uh the the presence in front of you is is very different and and haughty and um clearly a a a player and a spender with no taste and no scruples the kind of person that uh, would be an easy mark and attract a lot of sellers and also a lot of grimy less reputable action all right so the the gray market uh again it's it's a it's a legal place it's it's well known uh you know it, it looks one it's it's below ground so you have to like go into a doorway and then go down some stairs uh, and it's essentially think of it like an open air flea market, like we would think contemporary. It's just a huge open building. Uh, there are archways every so often to keep the ceiling up, but there's just these stalls, just like you know, low tables that are laid out, and on them are just every conceivable thing that you could buy from from fresh food, fresh fish, fresh vegetables to arms and armor, convenience items like ever burning torches minor magical items and baubles feather fall tokens warding against spirits charms anything that you can possibly think of and then obviously some items are a little bit more exotic and extravagant there's like life pets you know animals from exotic places within the city uh, in a lot of cases it's just like regular animals that have like painting on them like they've taken a chicken and painted its feathers and they're calling it a coaxial but for the most part it's just this wide open stall area and you can pretty much go wherever you would want the, the camera at some point pass, pans kind of by uh, some some exquisite stalls and then pans by the food court and it catches uh, Nose Goldtooth uh, with with a suspiciously uh, a hand-like package wrapped up in a, in a brown paper sack. Seems to be negotiating with the food vendor. And then uh, later on, uh, in the background of another scene, you see uh, sort of a suspiciously hand-like thing rotating on a spit in the fry cabinet. Nice. Uh, behind some of these stalls, there are tents set up probably with maybe wares that are not on display or just the people who are here like every day, they probably have almost like a residence and they sleep and conduct business within them. So not every stall has a tent, but maybe like a third do. And then of those tents, some are very plain, you know, just enough for like maybe two people, 
one person lay down at a time and others are quite large. So you could probably have, you know, 10, 12 people inside of them. So we already know what Itza's doing, or Itza, we know what Itza's doing. Protection. You are a death pact angel. How do people react to you walking into this moderately legal situation? I think uh, people know, especially in this moderately legal situation, that everyone kind of, they don't stop doing business because that would be too obvious, but there's definitely like a definitive like, hello, sir, welcome to my shop. Yes, would you like to buy this dagger? Oh, this dagger costs seven gold. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Thank you for this transaction. But uh, but protection is on job. So they are bedecked and the helmet is on and they are scanning and being like a presence. You know, and the cops are just on the side of the road, but they have no intention of pulling someone over. It's kind of like that. Excellent. All right. So Fallen, you know, there is no way you are going to find who or what you need with protection hovering around. Anybody who might be selling actual black market goods are not going to show them, have them out, or conduct any business with protection in the area. So how are you going to navigate and try to find who or what you need without protection blowing everything for you? So what I'm going to do is take advantage of the focus in this area on protection and actually strike off from the group to another part of the gray market and try to strike up that conversation with a couple people. Hey, did you hear that's going on over there? And encourage them to move their more illicit wares this way, since I'm doing them the favor of letting them know where protection is over that way. Excellent. So let's roll. Um, so you're not really trying to intimidate. I guess persuasion is how I would say that you're trying to just, you know, try to get people to pay attention to what you want to pay attention to while yourself are being low key. So I'm going to say it's persuasion. So let's roll and see how well you do. And I rolled a natural 20. That's wow. a, That's almost as good as you can do. That's pretty, pretty darn good. That's up there. It's up there. That's up there. All right. So obviously the best possible outcome. So, so what exactly happens? Like, how do you see this working better than you could have imagined? So what happens is I go to this slightly separate district or slightly separate part of the gray market. And I'm basically spreading the word. Hey, did you hear uh, that creepy protection angel is over there you better clean up you better move some stuff out of the way you better be careful and a specific shopkeep actually says oh my goodness thank you for letting me know i really appreciate it hey would you help me move these boxes and as i of course of course glad to help so i go over and help move these boxes and as i'm striking up conversation with this shopkeep it just so happens that this shopkeep and these boxes I'm holding right now are exactly what we're looking for. So I'm going to step in just a second before that. So absolutely, that's what happens. There's there's a shopkeep. There's actually two. They look like brothers, not twins, but very, very similar to one another. Both sort of beefy, muscular. Uh, maybe we're, we're soldiers at one point in time. They carry themselves like soldiers, but they're trying to you know start their own business, I guess. 
So, yeah, so they're very quickly in the process of trying to move certain boxes into their tent behind their stall. And when you come around and sort of offer to help, they just instantly like, you know, fantastic. Will you please help us, you know, basically grab a box. So you carry this box into their tent with them. And on the inside, you come face to face with a Medusa. Now, Medusa live in Ravenica. They are citizens. Uh, they do not turn people to stone unless they intend to. So making, you know, ra- random eye contact is not a problem. But it's still probably jarring the first time it happens. This particular Medusa it looks to be like middle-aged for Medusa, though they're very long-lived. Uh, has sort of like a purple, uh, how do you start it? It's not armor, but it's like it has like shimmery, almost like it looks like fish scale. Uh, that's just slung over one shoulder. The other is bare, so it kind of goes across them like almost like a... Uh, I guess sort of like a, a toga, this like purple, almost fish scale. Uh, she has two daggers, not two to each leg, one on each leg, but two daggers strapped to her legs. Think like um, Laura Croft style where her guns would be. They're just wrapped around there with sheaths. Uh, functional, not overly like ornate. She pretty muscular as well. And she looks at you and she her eyes kind of squint and she looks at the two men and you can see her eyes are darting from you to them and from you to them. Now, you don't see what you're looking for in the box that you're carrying in, but you absolutely see something inside the tent already that is interesting. In fact, you notice a scroll that looks exactly like that one that caught your eye in Zeej's office. So it's the exact same scroll. The, the, the thing in the middle, you're talking about how it was ornate and just kind of caught your eye. You're 100% that this is a copy of the one that you saw in Zeej's office. Um, so the Medusa will sort of slink over to you. She doesn't slither, but the way she walks, you just, in your in your mind's eye, it's almost like she's slithering up to you. She gets really close up in your face. Who are you? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to interrupt. I am just a passerby and these fine gentlemen needed a hand and I was trying to be a polite neighbor. I'm so sorry. I I did not mean to intrude or interrupt. So her eyes continue to squint at you and you can see that, you know, in her eyes that she's thinking and weighing options and and all the snakes on her head are, you know, hissing and back and forth. And they're not snapping at you, but they're certainly waving somewhat aggressively and she's really close and she's up in your face. What is your name? Oh, my name is Fallen. What's yours? What is your quest? <laughs> what is your favorite color? What is your blue. favorite I mean, color? Yellow. Blue. Ah! I mean, yellow. You may call me Veslin. Veslin, what a beautiful name. A pleasure to make your acquaintance. And I'll stick out one of my hands. She'll look down at it, uh, almost like it's a snake that's going to bite her, very distrustingly. Ah. Eventually, she will reach out her hand and grasp it as well. Uh, very strong, muscular grip. She shakes it. Not She's not trying to squeeze to like intimidate you, but definitely a, a very strong grip. And then she looks at your eyes again. See anything interesting? Actually, now that you mention it, yes. Uh, I happen to be a purveyor of old books and scrolls and knowledge. I have a, a small bookstore further in town, and I'm always keeping one of these big old eyes open for interesting finds. And I 
something just caught my eye with uh with that scroll right over there. Where did you get it? Tell me about it. Could I maybe buy it from you? So she continues to look you in the eye, but several of her snakes' heads turn and they look at the direction. And then it's almost like they're having a whispered conversation with her in a very, you know, slithering, I guess I use that. Kind of like his sylvant, yeah. And then, sorry, that's not for sale. Oh, well, could... I, I, I'm just I'm just so intrigued by it. Could you tell me where it came from or can you tell me anything about it? It's just it, it's so interesting. All right. So we'll pause there for a second. We're going to cut out. So protection and Itza, you've lost sight of Fallen. You haven't seen him in, let's say, like five, ten minutes. Uh, he's just disappeared completely. What are you two doing? Nose Goldtooth has uh, somehow bartered the, the, the ornate wooden clogs that were picked up earlier before we get to the green market uh, with some some clearly cheaply gold-plated dwarven, like, elevator shoes, just, just about about an 8-inch lift. <laughs> and <laughs> So how tall is Itza normally? Uh, about uh, three and a half feet tall. And so this is, like, towering. Plus at the hats. Four- Exactly. And, 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 and also a, a cane has been acquired and there's a strut uh, going on. Oh, nice. And uh, th- 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 there's a lot of attention and, and uh, salespeople. A-, a lot of that that coin bag has been lightened up. And uh, however, uh, Nose Goldtooth will take a little gander over at uh, their friend Protection. What is Protection doing at the moment? A lot of eyes have seemed to have found you. You're you're kind of, they're not like coming around you like they're asking for autographs, but like everyone seems to be aware of where you are at all times. And this is something they are very comfortable with. Um, but what they're not comfortable with is the, the, the expenditure of wealth that they gave Itza to do a task that they perceive that Itza has not accomplished yet. <laughs> And the amount of Misappropriation debt, of funds, right? The, the amount of debt that Itza is racking up in this simple we're talking half hour is staggering. <laughs> this would be a good time to know, why is Itza with you? Like, how did that happen? Itza came to the syndicate looking for help. His, uh, te- his uh, you know, his hands is very grabby. And it was and it was noted that he, he could do some things, you know, break some porcelain, steal some gold, eat a finger. And it was the the Orzabat. The, the Ghost Council. The Ghost Council. So saw that maybe this goblin was worth more than just, you know, taking their coin and just letting them go on their life. So they were they were taken in as a cynic. Cynic? The, the, the level one, you know, little underlings that kind of get used wherever. So he, he's being... Intern. Uh, yeah, the interns. Exactly. He's being vested as an intern and... Uh, Protection's kind of been entrusted with handling him, even though Protection themselves is also being handled. So it's it's a weird. Yeah. Now, is Isa fully aware that whenever you rack up extra debt, that only extends the amount of time that you owe the syndicate time on your behalf? Uh, yes, Isa's acutely aware of that, and Isa's completely unable to control themselves. It's uh, he he. He lives a large and lavish lifestyle, and then he has a, a pseudo-identity that leads an even more large and lavish lifestyle. <laughs> and so, uh, Eats' every, every move is, is like a desperate, thirsting, starving hunger for coin, and uh, 
also just a constant crushing uh, poverty that's being staved off at bay by mounting increasing debts. Good, good thing the syndicate provides housing for him or else there would be none. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's is not against us. Uh, you know, when when it's is in coin, it's it's only the Michelin star restaurant that's rented out and used as a hotel room. Uh, when it's is not in coin, the street will do. Excellent. So the two of you, I'd like for you to roll me a perception check, please. Eight plus five is 13. I also got a 13, but mine was not an eight. <laughs> Excellent. So the two of you, you're starting to look around. You still don't see Fallen anywhere. But both of you notice that one of the larger, more elaborate tents that is off behind some of the stands, this one has several statuary around it of various beings and various poses. That Their table seems to be completely clear. Like, a lot of the other people working the stalls have maybe put some of their items away, but they're still selling. This one was selling when you walked in, and now it looks like no one is selling anything, and the flaps of the tent are closed. We will cut back inside of that tent, where uh, Fallen is still eye-to-eye with the Medusa. Now, it's not uncommon for people just to display their guild membership. In fact, it's very common for it to be displayed. So you have your black sunburst medallion because you used it earlier as a key. Where is it on your person? Is it visible now? So normally I would have it in a little pouch at my belt when I visit uh the temple or the bank, so to speak, I would strap it around my neck on a chain uh, to kind of displaying my station within the guild. I tucked it back into my pocket when we headed into the gray market. So I'm, I have my hand on it right now because I'm thinking about something, but it is not visible. So as I'm sitting here talking to Veslin, I'll say, so, uh, so yeah, can you tell me anything about where you got that scroll or where it came from? Maybe someone else would want to sell me something similar. Maybe I can take my coin over to them. There's nothing else like it in the market. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, l- let me uh, let me show you something here. This this might persuade you otherwise. So I'm going to pull out my my guild symbol, which is also my spellcasting focus, and I'm going to cast Sleep. Alright, so, she's very wary of you. She's not taken by surprise at all. Like, she, honestly, she was getting ready to kill you. So, I'm not going to let this be a sneak attack. So, we're going to roll initiative, because she was ready for something to happen. Okay. So, why don't we just all roll initiative, and depending on how actions happen, you may or may not jump in this turn or next turn, because I'm sure there's going to be some noticeable activity from the tent that you're paying attention to. Nose Gold Tooth got 11 on initiative. Fallen has a 19. Wow. Protection rolled an 11 as well, but they actually sit at a 10. Okay. Man, my plus zero initiative is really rocking the house yeah, over here. It's better than minus one, apparently. Yeah, I've never had a minus initiative. It's weird. All right. So we're going to roll into initiative. Uh, Fallen, you are actually the first to go. So your spell, you'll be able to get it off before anything else happens. So I am casting a sleep spell targeting such that 
uh, it includes the, the three folks in front of me and not myself. And I'm using a second level spell slot, and I rolled 36 hit points. So starting with the creature that has the lowest hit points, each creature affected by the spell falls unconscious. All right. So one thing um, before we get to that point, uh, whenever I run D&D, I like to say that every spell is unique to the caster. So what does it look and or sound like when you cast sleep? Uh, So my sleep spell, I hold up my guild symbol and almost like a greenish fog or mist just hisses out in this radius from my symbol and tries to envelop the three people in front of me. All right. So the mist, again, sort of swaths in front of you. The Medusa herself takes a step back at first because she doesn't know what exactly you're doing, but she knows you're doing something. She takes a step back. She seems completely unaffected, but several of her Medusa snake heads fall asleep. And then one of the thugs falls asleep. The other does not. Just one. Just one. Shucks. So to uh, protection and Itza, you might now notice a small swath of green smoke waft out of the tent flap. It is now the Medusa's turn. She is going to look at you, smile, and then she is going to try to cast her petrifying gaze. You need to make a constitution saving throw. Caleb, remember that time you t- said you'd need protection, so you were going to stay close to me? I mean, I don't know why you're not with me. That's your problem. I, th- I, don't, I think it's becoming your problem quite quickly. <laughs> Step one, split the party. Step two, wizard gets dead. Well, the wizard is rolling real good. Uh, yeah, on a con save throw. Because uh, I rolled a 16 and my con is a plus okay. three. Oh, He's an Elsa. Right. You have to remember that. That's right. So she she affixes her gaze on you, her snake heads that didn't fall asleep, which is most of them, also, you know, kind of get your attention. And they, they sort of do the thing like where they're starting to sort of sway back and forth, uh, almost like in a hypnotic sort of pattern. It draws your eyes in. And when she looks at you, there's a moment where like your heart almost freezes and you seize up. And there's just almost that fear like, oh, my God, it's happening, you know. But then it's it passes, and there's a bit of a tingle in your extremities, but you don't seem to be affected by her gaze. All right, and now it is Itza's turn. So, uh, Nose Goldtooth <clears throat> uh, knows a, a closed vendor when he sees one. And uh, more to the point, uh, there must be something good in there that nose could buy with this uh newfound wealth that will quickly be emptied out there's there's the the bag still jingles there's still some shinies and uh also that emanating gas that could be something worth buying who knows maybe they're smoking something in there maybe it's a hookah shop right uh so uh uh nose goldtooth bursts into the tent flap uh saying ah uh, give me all your hashish uh, uh double rolls of your tobacco and whatever else that you're poofing up in here Give me a dexterity saving throw. <laughs> That's, uh, 13 on the die plus 7 is 20. Okay. 
So you were going to trip over the fallen figure who fell asleep and is right in front of the tent flap, but you managed to catch yourself, uh, even though you're standing on eight inch, yeah, yeah, eight inch platforms. You stumble, but you managed to catch yourself. So you're now, so now you're like six feet tall because you're on a body, eight inch heels plus your hat. So you're yes. like up, uh, and you see what I've basically described. You're standing on a an unconscious person, uh, a brother, twin brother associate nearby medusa looks like she's about to draw daggers uh you see um fallen in front of her there's still a little bit of a hazy mist starting to settle on the ground there's some tension in the air yeah it sounds like so now that you've burst in is there anything else i, I don't know what your move oh is. If, if if i have uh action left uh i don't know exactly how far away we were but uh if i have action left uh Itza will uh look to the left horrifying medusa thing look to the right uh really burly well endowed thug and then whip out a dagger and just coup de gras the thug in the ground <laughs> it's on fair fair enough i was gonna have your old disadvantage just because we weren't sure how far you moved but yeah you can just kill the guy on the ground because he's not gonna do anything all right protection you're up you just saw Itza take off and dive into this tent you know what's amazing is that i was gonna do that but i'm glad that you t- <laughs> So, um, right before Itza takes off, Protection was about to say to him that, you know, maybe they should give me the money back because this is getting a little out of hand. But right before they're able to say anything, Itza shoots off towards the the green smoke and, and Protection knows that this is probably something that they should investigate. So, they kind of just walk through the tents towards the where the smoke is. And busts up on the scene, sees the Medusa, sees uh, the the Fallon kind of looking weird. And do I have enough space to attack or am I just like, boom, I'm here? I think you're going to be there because like you kind of described it like you were like, you know, rolling up or gets, eats it like charged in. So then I'll probably bust in, uh, come, I'll probably... Undo the tent flap as Itza's pulling the dagger out of the the dead guy on the ground. And I'm just like, what is the meaning of all this? All right. So the the now brotherless sibling uh, sees you roll in and he is going to attack you, Protection, as you walk in. Really? Not the person who just murdered your brother. All right. Again, you're you're picking your poison. Uh, you got a mm. goblin wearing a eight inch stilettos versus a death packed <laughs> angel. If you're going to fight, you're going to start with the angel. I think. Yeah, exactly. You want to go down and you want to tell someone about it when you get to the underworld. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This this, this guy's going to punch you up, not punch down. Yeah. That's that's really noble for a thug. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, Sixteen versus armor class. That is, oh, a, sure. that is a ding right off my shield. All right. So the the thug, as I'm calling him, uh, ex- displays some skill. The drawing the the weapon, attacking in one fails, you know, smooth motion. This is someone who's seen combat, who's seen some action, but yet your armor is just beyond his initial skill. The there's a bit of like sparks as the the sword s- slides off of your armor. Uh, you are unhurt. We are now back to the top of the order. Fallen. So I am looking here at 
the Medusa a little bit shaken from what I thought was going to happen, but it didn't. So I'll make a quick motion with my uh, with my hand that is holding my guild symbol, and I'm going to cast Web such that it hits the Medusa and the other thug. Whip, whip. Go, Web, go. All right, so do I need to make saving throws, or is this an attack roll? You can you can make a dexterity saving throw, and on a failed throw, you become restrained. And my spell DC is 14. All right, so I rolled a 19 for her, which is has some pluses on top of it. I rolled a 6 for him, so I'm sure that's going to fail, because he doesn't have a 37 dex. Yep. So <laughs> he is completely uh, restrained. The Medusa is able to, to sort of sidestep silkily and just gets on the other side of the web and it kind of gives you a sort of a tisk 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 sound as she looks at you and smiles again so he can make a uh he can use his action to make a strength check to try to get out otherwise he's totally pinned all right it is now her turn uh so she sees that uh things you know tide seems to be turning but she still seems somewhat confident she still also has you between her and protection in Itza. And honestly, right now she doesn't consider Itza a threat. That might change, but right now she's just, you know, doesn't see it. So she is going to go ahead and use her multi-attack, which means she can attack you and try to petrify you. Oh, snappity snap. All right. At first you were afraid, but then you were petrified. Yep. You were afraid you were going to be petrified. All right. So she whips out her dagger. First slash is a 19 versus armor class. That'll hit. Uh, and then the second attack is a 10, so I'm guessing that's going to miss. All right, you take 13 points of damage, and you need to make another constitution saving throw. Oh, well, that's a six. Okay. Oh. Well, that... Uh, this was a short uh, preview of this, uh, everybody. If you just tune in <laughs> next week, we'll give you the rest with different characters. All right, so Fallen, you turn to stone. What What is your... Like, what do you look like as you are frozen? Because you fell more than five, so you were instantly petrified. So whatever whatever form or, you know, physical stance you were in, that is what you are now frozen into. So I was reacting to being stabbed. So I still had my one hand out holding my guild symbol. My other one, I was clutching my chest where she had swiped across. And that's how I'm stuck. All right. And Itza, you see your compatriot fallen which i mean i guess i guess everything turns so yeah it just turns into a statue in front of you those gold tooth says oh wrong tent and uh <laughs> backs out <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I think once on the outside of the tent uh Itza will uh discard a pack up carefully those uh wonderful shoes uh, some of the other ritzy accoutrements can just go to the side and then uh, climb up the tent and, and peer down from above uh, going for a hide check. But um, I believe I can cunning action that. So let's see if Itza makes a whole lot of ruckus or not. 10 plus 10 is 20 total. All right. I'm giving the Medusa disadvantage on their hearing or seeing roll anyways because they're not really paying attention to you. So it doesn't seem like she has noticed that you've now climbed on top of the tent. And uh, so uh, if I've cutting action, then I should have an attack left and uh, the Medusa might get uh, an arrow straight in the, the snake. 
from above. All right. I will give you advantage on the attack because she is completely unaware of your position. Oh, that, that's really great because my regular die was eight, but my better die was 16 plus seven is a lot. That will definitely hit. Cool. Oh, 19 damage, and uh, I'm going to activate Fury of the Small, my goblin ability that adds level damage once per day. So, plus six. Okay. Solid, solid hit. Protection. You see the Medusa, uh, an arrow streaks down from above, strikes her in the head, doesn't like stab into her brain, but you know, it obviously hits her. She sort of staggers to the side. Blood starts to trickle down, mixing with the snakes. They're slithering around. But she's not dead. Far, far from it. After 25 damage. Oh. What are you doing? Protection draws their blade, a vaguely feather-looking longsword, crosses to the Medusa and makes two attacks. 19? Hits. Okay, I'm going to pop a level 2 smite on that. 48 for this damage. I'm hoping they're all coming up 8. 15 damage. Radiant. Smiting. Alright. And second attack? Uh, that, that The second attack was a was a threatening one where I, where I showed the Medusa my blade and said, this is from the Orzov Syndicate, and then I and then the, then I attacked. Gotcha. So your your radiant damage, all the snakes on her head sort of like stick out, <laughs> almost like she's been electrified for just a quick second, <coughs> and then they shrink back in and start hissing very angrily at you. The uh, thug is in the web. I rolled for him earlier. He got a three. He is still stuck completely. Fallen, your uh, statue. Uh, back to the Medusa. She's still... Seems to think she's in control here. Like she's not really worried yet, uh, which might want to worry you. Uh-oh. So she's now going to do her multi attack on protection, two attacks and then a gaze attack. Jeez, that's so. a lot. All right, natural twenty, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely going to hit. So that is going to be thirty nine points of damage altogether. That's doubling the first attack and then the other. And now you got to make a dex, uh, or excuse me, a Constitution saving throw. Ah, at least you're good at that. That is a twenty, not natural. Okay, so she's smiling. She sees that she's wounded you. She tries to her gaze attack. Uh, you don't even have that moment of like hesitation, like Fallen had, just with your angelic visage. You just you know that it didn't affect you. You're fine. She's still smiling though, and it is now Eats's turn. Uh, Itza's starting to get pretty concerned about all that, uh, smug smiling. Could I, uh, go for, like, an insight check to see if if there's something in particular she's smiling about, aside from just the general fact that she's so much better at murdering people than we are? Sure, you can roll an insight. Big dice don't fail me now. Alright. Nine plus nine is eighteen. So, there's a moment of sort of realization that you, you know, you've been to the gray markets quite a lot. And, and there's these rumors of Veselin is being basically the toughest mofo down here. Just 
you know, BA across the board. And it just now registered, oh, that's who this is. So she's just really good at murdering oh, people. That's this vessel and not, not the, I thought they were talking about a vessel. There's a ship in here. And oh, oh no. She's just really good at murdering people. Oh, this was the wrong tent. <laughs> and uh, it's a will uh, uh, climb down to the uh, other side of the tent uh, using uh, second story work uh, expertise to be able to climb efficiently at speed and then uh, reach in kind of from the, the back side of the tent to that bookcase where that one scroll was, having seen it in the corner of uh, their eye. It's shiny and uh, just kind of lightly completely steal that uh using my cunning action to sleight of hand that if i can or can i just take it you can just take it there's a lot going on i mean i know we're doing an initiative but this is a battle that's going everyone's going crazy no one's paying attention to a hand sneaking into the tent which is great because that means i can use my cunning action to hide now that i'm behind bookcases again and then uh try another sneaky attack that's uh 22 on stealth she is unaware of your presence that's uh, 11 to hit. 11 Well, 17 plus 7 is uh, 24. So I, I didn't know if you were saying like 11, like crappity, or like really high, 111 uh, birthday. That's, that's a good question. Nope, nope, nope. 21 points of damage. Her smile falters just a, just a bit, just a little curl at the mouth goes from up to down. So she has that like half up, half down frown smile. One of those bad emojis that you don't think you can pull off in real life. But you're also like, you don't like what is what exactly does that mean? I mean, is she happy? Is she scared? Is she mad? Is she angry? Is she crying? You don't know. Gas? Could just be. Could just be gassy. It's a gas pain. Protection. Protection. The T of their helmet. You can kind of see a little bit of the, the ashen jaw a little bit, and their lips curl up a little bit. Because this, this is where the pleasure happens for them. In the pain. The pain inflicted and the pain inflicted, you know? So they're going to attack again. Uh, technically, Medusas are fiends, or no? I... They're monstrosities. Boulder Dash. Because I just looked at the smite and I got an extra D8 for fiends are undead. I was like, well, I know she's not undead, but maybe she's a fiend. <laughs> no such luck. Okay, so I'm going to roll two attacks again. So I got an 18. That hits. And then the other one was a 17 plus 5, which if the 18 hits, then that one definitely hits. Correct. Uh, so that's two hits. So I'm going to pop. Should I roll the damage separately or I roll it all together? Shouldn't matter. Okay. So I'm going to roll it all together, popping another level two. So I'm rolling a total of 5d8 plus four. That's 40 damage radiance. Okay. So now that the other half of her smile also curves down. So now it's just a straight on frown. That is the thug. He is still... Is 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 web concentration? No, it's duration based, isn't it? Oh, actually, that's a good we double check. Is web duration concentration or? Ah, oh, crap! Hold on. <laughs> now I need to know if you being turned to stone means that this guy's just been out on break. Maybe his web also turns to stone, and now the guy's trapped forever. <laughs> that would be in some ways convenient, <laughs> at least for us, not for him, not with the death angel and the murder goblin. <laughs> it is concentration up to one hour, so. 
So it would have went away then when you stopped concentrating on it? Yep. Okay. He's been picking his nose in the corner. I'm glad I asked, just just by the way. It probably was fading away. Okay. The second time is when it's actually gone and he's going to be able to act. It is, it is in fact, his turn. So she's going to just sort of snap over at, at him as he stands up. And she yells, don't just stand there, you fool. Get that goblin. And he's going to run over to the general area where the um, arrow came from. And he's just going to, like, kick the whole shelving thing over on you, towards you. Just because he doesn't exactly know where you're at. So, But he knows how to. He, yeah, he's, he knows how to make you move. Nice. So I'm going to roll a strength check just to see. And, and as long as he doesn't, like, just flub it, it'll be good. Roll to 15. He's pretty strong, dude. So, yep. so I need you to make a dexterity saving throw to dive out of the way. Diving out of the way. Out of the way. That's a, wow, 19 on the die plus 7 is a lot. Okay, so what does that look like to you? There's a little goblin-shaped hole underneath uh, where, where that used to be. As, as a bunch of air and a scroll and some really clanky shoes were rapidly displaced. And uh, as, as, as the, the, the bookcase falls down and the thug's looking down onto it, from uh, up above again is a goblin clinging to the side of the tent, looking down with murderous eyes and metal glinting from the daggers on his bag as it sways from the quick motion. Excellent. All right, it is back time for the Medusa. So, if she could just not do anything this turn, and then move on with her life, that would be cool. You mean not not finish murdering the Death Angel? That's bad luck, you know. Because she's really, she's very arrogant, and I, I think she thinks she could kill you. But if she doesn't kill you, you will definitely kill her next turn. Okay, I got it. So I'm going to say that at some point during this combat, the back of the tent was damaged in some way. Maybe it was when the shelf got knocked over on Itza, or maybe there was just a hole already there for exactly this reason. But Veselin can see out the back of the tent, so she has line of sight. And she's going to use one of her innate casting abilities, and she's going to teleport away. So she's there, and now she's gone. Misty step, that, you know what's it. So, both of you roll a perception check. Boom. 24 total. Yes. Exactly half of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. All right. So, the 24, 100%, you, from your vantage point, you see her reappear in sort of a misty fog rolls out. Like she's coming on stage like a, you know, Spinal Tap concert she's approximately 30 feet on the other side of the tent (laughs) tent, uh, and has she has basically reappeared on the other side she doesn't see you so for the moment you don't know what she's doing she doesn't know what you're doing but that is her turn it is now your turn it's a goblin oh good uh well it's sees her she doesn't see it's she's 30 feet away which is well within the 80 feet range of a short bow And so she's getting another arrow right to that Medusa tentacly face. No one messes with the handler of my handler. Why would you turn the people I owe money to into stone? They'll charge me double for that. 21? Oh, no. I think we've established that. Yeah, she's not. Yeah, her her armor class is only 16. Her armor class is as bad as mine is? What? 
24 total. Big numbers on those dice. Two, five, six, and four. All right. Itza, what does it look like when your arrow kills this Medusa? Uh, I, th- I think it's uh, the Medusa's uh, mist just, just kind of coming out of the mist. The snakes are all looking around, and uh, one of the snakes kind of looks back and sees a little goblin-y like uh, reflection on some very shiny boots hanging half out of a bag, and then kind of nudges another one of the snakes. And then another snake's like, what? First snake's like, look over there. And so they both look, and then they kind of look at each other, and then an arrow goes right through the skull of this Medusa, and it falls over dead. Excellent. And she's dead? So, Itza, do you say anything? Does protection have any way to realize that you've taken her out? Uh, no, probably not. We'll, we'll rat about it when we're dragging the stone dude back to be one of those statues, Itza guesses. Itza does not know what they do with, with stone people who you owed money to. All right, so protection. As far as you know, she has misty stepped away. You don't know where or how or why. There is still one of the thug gentlemen in the room with you who is now out of the web. Protection will look towards the opening that the that the Medusa kind of slipped out of with the with the step and narrow their eyes as the camera kind of close in on the T-shaped uh, visor. They will say in an authoritative, commanding tone, Itza, do you have eyes on our prey? As they will turn and face the other miscreant in the room with the same sword that did so much damage to a Medusa. Haha, <laughs> I wonder what chance that this will stand. Oh my goodness. That is two 13s plus five each, which is 18s. Uh, yeah. I am not going to use smite and I hope that that's not a mistake but I'm not four is 15 total Uh, yes total between the two attacks so your blade slices into him he's actually he sort of uses his sword to to defend somewhat so it's not like he cut him in half but you certainly weaken him he reads the temperature of the room He's going to drop his sword and put his hands up. Like, I, I don't want to die here. Can we can we talk about this? Uh, <laughs> to a death angel? <laughs> oh, that's tough. Yeah, no. I, 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 part of me is like, I want to hear from Itza what happened to the Medusa. As like, that's what's going to decide whether this guy lives or dies. Oh, uh, Itza does chime in. Uh, yeah, Itza C. Itza C. It's a seafall. Because that is true. You asked if, if Itza had eyes, and Itza does. Right, so I think he, I think protection will, if given the chance, just kill this guy, or at the very least hold him till the next initiative and then kill him. Well, he's not going to attack as he's trying to surrender. It is now your turn. So if you're choosing to attack, you're just going to kill him. Yes, I will, ju- I will just kill unarmed. him. Okay. Oh, Death. Pain. No witnesses and no one to interrogate. Perfect. What magical thing about this addition is from a melee attack, you can choose to just knock him unconscious, stable at zero hit points. But you are a death angel. Uh, right, no, I'm 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 killing him. What okay. I'm thinking is that we're already gonna have to do work with Fallon, so I would probably have you get the 
Medusa yep. and bring her back as well because we have spirit bosses. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, speak with that. So, so the the the, the camera pans at some point uh, after <clears throat> the the murder to to protection uh, coming out to the Medusa and seeing it uh, dead in the middle of the street with kind of an audience and uh, uh, a number of nod fingers. And uh, some some pants that have been torn, or like like a nice uh, sarong. The sarong's been like torn at the pockets, right? And and things have been spilled out. And Eats uh, is sitting there with a very jangly bag. Like, it's a do good. It's a good. It's a good. Eats a get the Medusa back to the Basilica. I'll get Fallon. It's a jangles. Uh, the, the coins that, that were recently acquired and uh, decides that would be more than enough to hire a rickshaw that would carry uh, uh, Itza and the Medusa and not protection. Protection likes to walk. So we will cut. It's been a few hours. We are back at the Basilica. You are back in the deeper confines of the, of the secure area. And one of the higher up members of the order of the syndicate has just completed casting a powerful magical spell on Fallon. Fallon, you have a rush of air and breath. You return to life. The first thing that you see is a bill. Uh, there's no insurance. There's no Obamacare for this. It was considered a pre-existing condition. You are going to go bankrupt trying to pay this off. But you're still alive. Okay. I'm here. What I miss? So, um... After you were brought back to life, now you're completely an indentured servant for the rest of your life. Maybe you can do a GoFundMe. I don't know. Um, so you were brought, the three of you were brought back in the room with uh, Zija, and she's adding some zeros to your ledger. She essentially she she gets the information, and I'm going to assume that the, the materials that you found in the tent have been brought to her room as well. And she's starting to look through it. And this is you know as you were as you come into the room. And she's got a very perplexed look on her face. She picks up an item out of one of the chests that was brought in. She holds it up and then she sort of scans the room. And there's another item that looks like exactly like it, like exactly like it already on the shelves. And now this, this room isn't, is, this isn't just the scroll. No, no, the, the, that is what drew Fallon's eyes immediately was that scroll mm-hmm. looked exactly the same, but there were other but items. But something else. Yeah, there, like, there's multiple things in, the, in there, the, what you've brought from the, the Medusa's tent that seems to match items that were already in this room. And, and they've completely filled this room now with all the things that were at one time in that vault that was compromised. And so she walks over and she picks up the other item and she looks at it and she looks at this one and there's just like this you know, again, this confused look on her face because they are identical. And then she screams. Everyone roll perception check. Oh, jeez. 19. I got three. <laughs> uh, does this perception check have anything that would uh, be benefit by my greater sense of smell. Um, I love that you asked that with your little stumpy trunk. There's a sulfurous rage. Because I have advantage if it does. Sure. Uh, so that is a 19. Uh, 5 plus 14 is also 19. Alright, and then I saw protection, you had nothing, right? 3. Okay, so the the screaming of people doesn't 
draw your attention. Like you don't, it doesn't even register on you. So you're not even looking. The other two look over at Zija as she starts to scream. She drops the item from her hand that she had picked out of the stuff the Medusa had, you know, had in her possession. She's staring at the other one and she's just screaming as loud as she can. And you start to see blood just rolling down her arm. And the object in her hand, which was a, a book, eyes open up from the front of it. And it's starting to devour her, basically eating her hand from the backside. This was a mimic pretending to be a book. And you start to hear rattling as every item that was once in the Orzal vault that is now in this room awakens. And you are surrounded by thousands of mimics. Wrong realm. Uh, can I voluntarily reverse that <laughs> restoration spell? <laughs> so we're going to roll initiative. This is not <clears throat> to fight. This is to see if you can get out of the Basilica before you are devoured. So this is the initiative roll to lie about. Yes. We are playing over the internet. I cannot see what you roll. Now is the time to say, oh, got a 21. Blackjack. Oh, well, I can't get a 21 because I'm in a negative one, but I'll try anyway. I am at a 10. Six. What was it you had, Scott? 19. All right. I want the montage of you running from the Basilica as every item in this room erupts into living items. They're all, they're all mimics and starts to devour everything in the room. So I want to see what you see as you escape the Basilica. So there's there's kind of a, a brief cut of of Itza's, uh shocked face uh, in in the background is is in the foreground. This woman's hand is getting eaten by a book, and then uh, uh, like a shot of Itza's eyes, and then uh, looking to the right, and then a shot of the door. Clearly, what Itza's looking at, and then a shot of Itza's eyes looking left, and then a shot of a pile of gold, right, and then uh, a, a shot of Itza shoving. Uh, like coins into pocket running down the hall and then a shot of Itza like rubbing hands off his blood is spouting from fingers right and a shot of Itza like tearing off his pants and then a shot of Itza like like crawling along the ceiling almost on the on the top of the ceiling right it's like a bunch of angry gold coins are marching after with little uh, pitchforks and hungry mouths right and then a shot of Itza like pushing uh, some older clergy person out of the way and having them stumble into this pile of coins right they were just curious as there was a lot of commotion right and then and then another shot of Itza uh, leaping from a second story window like the glass shatters there's there's cuts in Itza's face uh, Itza lands on two golden towering shoes then uh, brushes uh, like like some sweat off of a little little green brow and then the camera pans down and an eye opens up on the shoes and then we snap back to one of the other players (laughs) so we're going to cut forward four weeks from now we were back at Phelan's sandwich shop And it just says, under new management. (laughs) And so ends our field trip into Ravenica. I'd like to thank everyone at Wizards of the Coast for giving us an opportunity to be a part of this podcast event. Uh, We are truly honored to be included. Hopefully you have listened to the show and got something from it. uh, Either enjoyment, inspiration, maybe even the desire to run your own game. Because you know that you can do it so much better than we did. Which is probably true. 
Uh, but if you have listened to our show for the first time and are interested in checking out other things that we've done, we have a bunch of different show types that run the gambit from different types of actual plays, advice shows, interview shows with the designers, and so on and so forth. So anything that we do can be found at our homepage, therpgacademy.com, and you can find me on Twitter as well. So thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next time, for myself and for my players, please remember the RPG Academy's motto. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. And that is our field trip to uh, Rabinica. That is how the, such uh, a cool character to get eaten so, by a bunch uh, of coins. <laughs> Boy, maybe maybe we should have, you know, left someone alive and asked them what was going on. I bet they knew and could have warned us. Yeah, that was the whole thing. If you would have talked to the guy, he would have told you that it was. I had the line: "Is it wasn't what was taken; it was what was left mm-hmm. behind." It was the whole the whole Tricky. thing. Tricky. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, You're doing it right.